When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Professional mountain biker Adam Craig says it's one of the top three places in the universe he's ridden. Where is this magical mountain biking nirvana? It's none other than Brevard, North Carolina, home to Pisgah National Forest and DuPont Recreational Forest. The area boasts over 300 miles of peerless single track, not to mention hundreds of miles of gravel roads, creating a near endless array of routes, terrains, and challenges to explore. Four vibrant bike shops will get you sorted, whether you need gear, service, or a top-notch rental. Top it off with an array of craft breweries, cafes, and gathering spots that have earned Brevard the title as one of the best small towns in America in 2021. It all adds up to a premier mountain biking destination you'll want to experience for yourself. Find out more at explorebrevard.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today my guests are Dale Boyd and Drew Hall. Dale and Drew are mountain bikers and trail builders living in Mobile, Alabama. They're part of a group called Ride the Rebellion that posts videos and podcasts about their efforts to build and ride trails in a part of the U.S. that isn't traditionally known for mountain biking. Thanks for joining me, guys. Hey, thanks, Jeff. We appreciate it. Nice to meet you. Yeah. So Dale, tell us how you and Drew met. So actually, uh, Drew and I met through a couple other friends, but the first time I ever actually met Drew in person, um, I was training for a race, I think, and maybe Drew can elaborate better. He has a different rendition of how we met, but <laughs> I was maybe, I was training for a race and, um, I see this goofy dude with a bunch of bags on his bike and I was like, what is this? So I'll just go blow him by him. Well, then. I didn't really say anything and I come back a couple of days later and he's filming everybody in the playground area that I was like, man, wait, there's cameras Sketchy. out. Like I can probably, yeah, I can probably <laughs> get in front of these cameras and I, I'm not a shy in front of cameras and I have mm -hmm. one trick and I'll do it really well. So yeah. I made Drew film me all day and I kind of, I kind of sabotaged his little film crew and we had fun with it. So yeah. it kind of grew from there. It was like, Hey, I like filming. You're a filmer. Well, well, there's a little bit of ribbing. There was some ribbing in the parking lot. I think, I think he, he was like, look at that dude trying to make his bike look like an e-bike. But in all yeah. honesty, I had a bunch of gear. I had like a bunch of camera gear and I was trying to figure out how to carry cameras on a bike. My original, mm -hmm. uh, original mission when I started riding was like, I love this. It's super fun, but I got to be able to bring gear into the woods. I wanted to shoot. Uh, I'm a filmmaker by trade. So I wanted to shoot mm -hmm. mountain biking content, if you will, not just trail videos, but like really crazy stuff. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd, I'd done that. And, and Dale was very nice. Like at one point, what really sold me on, uh, him just making that jab to be a jab was, uh, <laughs> I think I was, my bike was down and I was like moving a GoPro from one spot on my bike to another, getting weird mm -hmm. shots. And he's like, are you okay? I mean, he checked on me. He's like, do you have water? There's water. I mean, he was very courteous. So yeah, I talk a lot of trash about him, but at the end of the day, he's, he's a good trail steward for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, Drew, tell us a little bit about the local mountain bike scene in Mobile when you either, did you get into the sport in Mobile or were you a mountain biker uh, before you, you lived there? So I, I grew up here. So this uh, will be an interesting split question because Dale and I will have to attack it as a team. So I have a different perspective maybe than Dale does, but I grew up here. I rode um, like 20 something years ago. I had a pretty nasty fall that um on my old rock hopper hardtail that kind of ruined my uh i don't know the the fear bug got me and so the fear beat me on that in that and so mid 20s i walked away and just got busy doing life and then i had two guys a guy named Todd and a guy named Jakey Poo uh or we that's what we call him in the rev but Jake <laughs> they they just pestered me forever like come ride with me come ride with me and finally i was like fine i'll go ride so i i got back on the bike and so my experience to the scene was very different than like, I mean, similar to Dale's, but different in the same way as like, I didn't know that there was an organized group. I didn't, I frankly knew about Imba, but I didn't think we had anything organized here. Mm -hmm. And it turns out we have a great group called Samba. And so, uh, I kind of just fell into it and, and watched it grow and then thought, Hey man, it, it would be cooler if we could get everybody together. And I was more into like the, 
let's make it a community thing, mm. uh, which yeah. is exactly what Dale did and is exactly why he and I connected. Maybe even back to your first question is still linked us back, but Dale has a, you have a better take on the scene, you're, but you're still a transplant, right? You're a transplant from not flip the script, but Dale, Dale's a transplant from uh, uh, Yankee town. Yeah. 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 Would, yeah. Would, were you a mountain biker before you came to Mobile and like, how was the, the scene different? If so. No, I, I wasn't a mountain biker at all. I, uh, I rode BMX bikes back in the nineties. And I thought when we moved to Alabama a couple of years ago, three years ago, and I told my wife I was going to buy a mountain bike and I was going to start riding. And I found the local club and I went and rode with them and I got dropped really hard. And I didn't even know what drop was then. I, I got left in the woods. How about that? So I just started riding. Only one dude, John, he talked to me and kind of took me under his wing, taught me what a derailleur was and told me I need a one by drivetrain and all this stuff. So I did all that and kind of, we kind of grew our own little thing from that. You know, I, I started de facto group, I guess, called the sweet potato mountain bike crew. And we started riding and doing our own thing. And that grew the local Emba chapter wasn't really doing much at the time. Um, no offense to anybody that was doing it. It just wasn't as active as maybe us avid mountain bikers would have liked it to be. And so we kind of did our own thing on a, on the side. And, and there was a, a gentleman, um, Alan Weatherford that decided to take over, um, leadership roles within the Emba organization and kind of put together a, a board that could do that. And he asked me to be a part of it. And I was very, very hesitant at first because I didn't want to deal with the, the politics and I didn't want to deal with the whole thing of it. But right. we had 40 total chapter member chapter members when we started. And now we have 208 of our local EMBA chapter. Wow. So we've grown exponentially. I think it's, it's a combination of community and a combination of Alan's drive and, and maybe... It's now it's a badge of honor if you get a, a message pestered from Alan, but it's kind of, it's been, it's been awesome to, I had to be the person though, kind of to bridge it because I had to meet everyone myself. I didn't know anyone. So me having to meet everyone kind of got other people introduced to each other too. So yeah. that's kind of our, kind of our mountain bike background. It has nothing to do with the Reb, but it's kind of the, <laughs> the foundation of foundation of the Reb, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you first started like poking around and, and thinking about forming a group or joining up with a group, like, were you looking at more of like the social side of it or the trail building side? Or, or were you thinking like the, the two should be combined or, or those like kind of separate functions, you think? So like I've been an athlete my whole life. So the social side of it was where it was like, I've always known mm -hmm. to get better at things. You got to have other people to push you to get better. Like you could go ride your bike forever by yourself and you'll still be, I mean, you'll be as best as you, as good as you want to be, mm -hmm. but that's all you're going to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think that, I think when you get other people around you, not only does it make your bank account go down because you're going to want new bikes. <laughs> like when your friends have new bikes, it's, it's so hard to not. But, um, it's also going to push you to be better and to be want to, you know, or maybe you just, you look up to certain people. Maybe they don't even know that. But I think that the community was kind of the way I wanted to go in the, the, my mindset. I didn't know anything about trail building. I thought, mm -hmm. Hey, cool. They built these old dudes built some trails. Let's ride them. <laughs> you know, like that was it. Maybe when I was a kid, we used to, I rode BMX bikes. So we'd watch rad on, you know, on a Saturday night and we'd wake mm -hmm. up on Sunday and go build some dirt jumps, what we thought were cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, so I don't, I think that the, the trail building is something that drew and I, we both can relate to this. Like we're learning every time we go in the woods, like, mm. and there's no way we can Google how to build trails on sand. I tried it. Like I tried yeah, it I, and there's, there's nothing <laughs> even impossible. out there really to, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't no, work very well. It's impossible. So we're trying to, we're kind of, we're learning from different people. I mean, there's people across the coast that are starting to do stuff and we're learning from them too. So pretty awesome. Yeah. It kind of goes hand in hand though. I think after a while we started identifying, you know, what I found was I wanted the community first. I was more into the social side. Um, I enjoy riding and I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed being able to like, again, I started out, I enjoyed riding. I was like, Oh, I'm going to film stuff. Um, now I'm, I'm, I don't film as much anymore, which is great. Cause I, I've found that, it's nice to separate my life a little bit, have something that's actually a hobby. That's not, not a industry stuff. I mean, we still do a lot of content. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, but they have to go hand in hand because we reached a point, at least in this area, not to segue your own question over, but to, to, 
at least in this area, the problem we run into, or this is what happens when you have podcast hosts on, we all kind of segue off of each other, <laughs> but um, is that is that we ran into a spot where the trails were good. They are what they are here. We're in flatlands of Alabama. We get it. We're on the Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. but we all wanted to do something bigger. And then we started finding a community. There was a community that didn't want to just ride XC, that didn't want to we know we're not going to do downhill like you do where you guys are or up mm-hmm. North or, or Pisco or any of that stuff, but we had to find something. So we had to create something or, or build it. And that meant there was only one guy or two guys we knew that could build trails. And mm-hmm. one of them um, wasn't as round as much. And uh, another guy, Jakey Poo was. So mm-hmm. we would learn a little bit from Jakey Poo. And then when Dale and I got confident enough, we just, we we're like the mother, like the mother bird kicking the, the hens out of the chicks out of the nest. We just got kicked out and we started cutting trails. So, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think about clubs, the mountain bike clubs I've been a part of and the, you know, the ones I'm familiar with. And, you know, I, it seems like they do tend to form around this idea of like trail building or advocacy and so it attracts people who are like drawn to that mission, but they're not necessarily like friends or like the same, you know, types of people. And so it becomes kind of like work in a way, right? Like, you know, you go to the meetings, the board meetings and, you know, everybody's got their part and yeah, a lot of them just don't feel very social, but you guys seem to have like approached it from the other direction where it's like, social first, like we're a bunch of people that like, we, we like riding together. We like, you know, hanging out. And so once you do that, like the other stuff maybe doesn't feel like work, uh, which, which seems like a really great model. We actually just had our first competition. If I could to tie into exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. We just had a private event. We called it the, it was originally called the bro duro, but then we, we wanted to be more inclusive. Um, and so we called it the friend duro. And we okay. literally, we just finished it last Saturday. We had our first competition. It was members only. And I, I, I think we all walked away. Did we enjoy the competitive nature of the racing that we did? Cause we have a very interesting race uh, st- uh, program. Yes. It was awesome. Like it came down to the very last race and we were all like biting our nails, cheering each other on. But what did we like the most? All the tents sitting around oh, in all the yeah. tents, eating bean burritos, <laughs> drinking beer. Like it was, yeah. So Dale, tell us uh, how the name Ride the Rebellion came about for the group. So the Rebellion is actually, it's funny because people are like, why is it Ride the Rebellion? What are you guys rebelling against? Like, <laughs> we're really not, we're rebelling against ourselves to be in some standard, but um, mm-hmm. the Rebellion, Drew came up with it. It was, it was a brilliant name, but it's, we're kind of rebelling against the norms of like, Hey, you have to be in your Emba chapter. You have to do exactly what they say. You have to follow every standard procedure to get anything done. And mm-hmm. like, don't get us wrong. We are a part. We're still highly and deeply connected to our local mountain bike community. And we do mm-hmm. follow Emba standards and, and Sorba standards for a lot of the things that we do with our local public trail systems. But mm-hmm. we figured out a way that we could go somewhere without the bureaucracy of politics and the landowners uh, thumbprint on top of us and get what we wanted when we wanted it. And, Mm -hmm. and sometimes the patients you lose people public, like our public trails are, they lose people because the progress isn't fast enough for them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as everyone knows on every trail system, every single decision you make has to benefit 200 people, not just (laughs) eight or 10. Right. So luckily right. for us, we have a system where at the rebellion that we can only, we, you know, we could benefit 10 people and it's pretty, mm-hmm. it's pretty easy. And, but what we're learning is the benefits of those 10 people, it, it translates, you know, like it goes mm-hmm. across. So say that there's something that would benefit me and I love building all of a sudden drew wants to learn the skill to ride what I want. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Whereas mm-hmm. like a lot of times on a public trail system, something that could be an obstacle for some people. They don't want to learn that skill. Like they're scared to learn that skill, but Mm -hmm. other people want that, that, you know, they want that progression. And so it's a, it's a balancing act act publicly, but for us in our private stuff, we can kind of just go with it and whatever happens happens. And it's pretty, it's so far, it's been a great model. And that, so back to the original question with the, the rebellion came from, Let's the intrigue of it, you know, like mm, yeah. ride the rebellion. Everybody wants to be part of the tribe, right? So yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and it had a bunch of names prior yeah, to that. It had a few names. I mean, 
It was uh, Le Duché, uh, <laughs> which was our funny way of saying it. It was um, it was uh, a bunch of different stuff. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Some of them probably yeah. just a bunch of boys being boys. But like, yeah, for sure, when when we went through it, I mean, the 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 origin of that name always came back the same thing. Most of our local trails, the A line is really the B line everywhere else. The A line was mm. the safety route, yeah. and the B line was where you had to go. You had to cut off trail to make the jump. And instead mm-hmm. we wanted to make, we wanted to flip that. We wanted to be like, in some ways we wanted to be like everybody else where the A line could be the, the more competitive ride and the B line was a safety. And that way it encourages skill growth. And because yeah. we've seen such skill growth, like we've seen rider, like this Frenduro event, the, the one that I mentioned earlier, like we've had this event, we were watching guys that I didn't think jump suddenly are sending it. They were <laughs> jumping. Wow. And it was amazing. Like watching the footage, I was like, that dude just, he sent it better than anyone. Like, yeah, because it just brought out the best in their writing skill to kind of push things forward. So the name is, the name is a location, but it's for us, it's become, we like to think of it almost like a movement at this point. Yeah. Well, and to be clear too, um, you know, Dale, you kind of mentioned how, you know, you're kind of like trying to get away from that idea of like bureaucracy and, you know, all the things that go into like building trails the traditional way. And to be clear, you guys aren't like building illegal trails or anything. Like we're going to get into that and how you guys have found creative solutions to that problem and, and workarounds and ways to like, yeah, get rid of some of the stuff that maybe isn't all that necessary when it comes to building trails and riding. So getting back to talking about the group a little or more, Dale, how many folks are part of the group officially and how do people join or, or get added to the group? So I think Drew probably has the actual number. It's probably 15 to 20 um, that are actually hmm. people, part of the rebellion, the, the uprising. Small so, beginnings. Small yeah, beginnings. small beginnings. Yeah. Um, I think originally it was just some of us that were hanging out in a parking lot trying to have beverages after rides and that's kind of the original founding fathers if you will mm-hmm. and um we've slowly we slowly brought some people in that we thought would benefit from what we were doing mm-hmm. and don't get we uh, i feel bad sometimes when people are like well am i not cool enough to be part of the rebellion <laughs> and it's like we want drew and i and everyone else there wants everybody to be a part of it and we want mm-hmm. everybody to do it but at first we didn't have enough trails for everyone to be there, you know, like yeah. it would have just been a cluster and, and it was, it would have been tough to do it. And it was just kind of buddies hanging out and it was like, Hey, let's do this. And so at first it was just that. And, and now we want to grow it further and we're, we're learning ways and trying to think of ways we can bring more people in. So mm-hmm. there's no real, like, how do I become a member? It's kind of like, unfortunately at this point, it's just, we've invited certain people in situations that we thought would fit. And, and there's no offense to anybody that hasn't been invited and maybe it just wasn't the right circumstance at a certain time, but mm-hmm. it's kind of been just like, Hey, buddy's doing buddy stuff. And I think that yeah, deer camps have it all over, you know, like there's mm-hmm. private deer hunting camps everywhere. <laughs> so yeah, maybe it's, it's similar to that. So there's no, no real, I don't know. There's no real uh, entry well, it, you know, it is, it's tough because when you're building community, it's, it's gotta be a two way street, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're going to join in the people who maybe are, are interested or who you're thinking like, Oh, would this person be a good fit or like, are they going to contribute? I think that's, that's something that we all have to consider is, you know, are you just there to like take from community or like, what can you bring to it? And so, yeah, it seems like you guys are still at that point figuring out sort of like what you need and what you're trying to do and like how people can be productive members of the community. It's a slow growth thing too. I'm a big believer and I I was around a business once, not saying this is a business, but I was around a business that had accelerated growth. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge is you lose some of the things that make you unique. And I'm very cautious of, you brought it up earlier. We're very much community centric and we're Mm -hmm. very much friend centric and keeping that in place and keeping that intact as a core, like that is the core foundation of our entire existence. Mm-hmm. So making sure that the people that do come out and ride, I may not know them, but somebody else has vouched for them. And then we, it's, it's not an audition, but somebody comes out and rides. And if they, you can tell when somebody gets it and they see mm-hmm. past just, Oh, these guys have eight miles of trails. Something happens. We had a guy, uh, Barry came out, rode with us. 
He rode on a Thursday. He was supposed to go out of town and ride somewhere epic like uh, TCC. Uh, yeah. TCC. And he bailed on that to come hang out with us again because he had so much fun. And then he brought <laughs> his money and paid. Like he yeah. didn't even wow. like it connected with him. And he's a guy that's ridden all over Bentonville. He's done it all. Like he's done every mm-hmm. Whistler, all of it. And he was like, the fact is that this is so much fun here because of what you guys have that's special. So to your point, it's not an exclusivity thing. It's a controlled growth thing. We want to get to a spot where we can't open it up or membership do like Jared, Mm -hmm. but we we've got to be able to, we've got to be able to build into it first. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going to jump ahead then to one of my questions to kind of explain what we're talking about here, because um, one of the really unique things that you guys did uh, early on was you decided to lease some land uh, to build trails on. And so obviously there's a cost associated with that and, um, you know, liability considerations and all, all that kind of thing. So tell us a little bit about that, Dale. Like, was that the plan from the beginning that you guys were going to build these trails on like private land or like how, how did you guys fall into this? So I would love to answer this and I will answer any questions, but literally that is drew's whole entire lane like his whole existence is legality and where to- not, that is not fair you make me sound like i'm the litigious one hello i'm litigious hey, we both can't be because then i'll no, never get to send anything okay so dale gets all the all the yeah. questions about the fun stuff yeah i get so yeah i'm the old so business guy. back to business so yeah uh, how it all happened yeah, it starts with a guy I reference a good bit. His name is Jakey Poo, the same guy that got me into riding. This guy's a psycho. He he just drives around and looks for great terrain. He's like a he's a free rider stuck in Mobile, Alabama. Like he just has this. He, he's ridden. He's like maybe the most experienced rider we have in the area, mm-hmm. as far as like he's ridden a lot of the world. And so Jake gets with me one day. He's like, man, I found this piece of property. Next thing you know. We, we did a lot of investigating, not just like looking at the land. There was no trails on it. There might've been one like ATV trail, but we started doing event. We had to dig. Yeah. It was, it was positioned by a holding company. So that got kind of tricky. So there was a lot of reverse engineering. I happened to stumble upon the holding company's website. And again, being an, I own an ad agency. I could tell who built the website or I had a hunch. Mm-hmm. And then I went to LinkedIn and sure enough, they were friends. I reached out. Turns out that's how we found the landowner Oh, cool! was through this really weird process. And then we were able to negotiate a deal. So what we did, if this helps anybody, uh, I'm open to sharing it because we want, we want to see revs all over the place. But what we did was we negotiated using the hunting lease terminology. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what we found was that rents, the average hunting lease goes for about $10 an acre. And so we were able to secure the land for really cheap. So we have 65 acres. We pay $650 a year. Wow. <laughs> it's really crazy Yeah, for the land because we're not doing anything but enhancing it. Now, mm-hmm. there was conditions that came with that. We have a limited number of trees we can cut down. Obviously, we're very cautious about it. We, we're mountain bikers. We don't want to cut all the trees. The trees are what give us the sense of speed, right? Right, right. We're allowed to improve the land with dirt and other objects, but we're not allowed to build any structures, which is fine. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if we did, it would be like a hobo lean-to anyway. It wouldn't be anything like <laughs> legit, trust me. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, like we might build a wall or something. Things with, with screws that we can take down if we had to. Point being is everything had to be built and follow those rules. And then he mandated, the landowner mandated that we have insurance. And that was the biggest barrier because I'd always been told that that's like the key advantage. I'm not knocking any organization, but that's the key advantage of like an IMBA or, or SORBA relationship is mm-hmm. being able to get access to insurance. Come to find out though, if you have a private group, and this is why we also have to have a private membership. If you have a private group and you structure it the right way, you can actually get insurance for dirt cheap. And we have trail mm-hmm. building insurance. So it's not only do we have liability. We have mm-hmm. trail building insurance and it, the total cost on that's about $1,800 a year. So okay. we needed about $2,500 uh, with legal fees to make it work. And so we got around 4,000. Uh, we ended up with 20 paying members total. Is that accurate? No, 18 members. We got 3,600. So we had $3,600 of paid membership. So it left us a little bit of 1,100. Next year, we'll make a determination on if we want to keep the same level of insurance, if we need to tweak things, so forth and mm-hmm. so on. The lease could go up. I don't know. We did it. We did it one year. I think going into it too heavy would have been a cost. It would have been a bad situation if we came yeah. and said, "Hey, we want to lock up for five years." <laughs> right. Now we want to lock it up forever, but you know yeah. that's a whole separate conversation. <laughs> yeah, that got me thinking. Like, what would you guys do? How, how devastating would that be, Dale? 
Diaz had to find a new spot. He was pretty in love with the, uh, the Reb. Well, um, we actually, Drew and I had this conversation before, but to us, the rebellion isn't a location. The rebellion mm-hmm. is a, a mindset or a thing. You know, it's we can take the rebellion wherever we have to. Mm-hmm. Um, that place is fun. That place is amazing. That place is just a place. Like right. the people that build it and the, the energy that's behind it and the ideas that we have aren't, they're not tied to that 65 acres. Mm. So yeah. we have the benefit of we could have 15 rebellions in Mobile, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we could do whatever we want on a larger scale. And, and Drew has said this numerous times, like we've proven that it works. So now yeah. we can sell that idea to other landowners and maybe, you know, like, when we got out there, there was bums out there. There was trash out there. There was other stuff out there that maybe mm-hmm. a landowner doesn't want on their property. Well, now right. that we're hanging out there, those bums aren't there anymore. Um, if they yeah. are, they cleaned up after themselves. <laughs> so maybe we're the bums now. <laughs> but that's been that's the thing is like if it was taken away from us, yeah, sure, we'd we'd probably cry. Maybe we'll go out there and have a little campfire powwow just to for reminiscence sake. Um, but Mm -hmm. we could, we could just rebuild, you know, we are, we are who we are. We can take that other places. Yeah. Yeah. We're lucky. We we've seen a, I think the biggest thing that about the rev that's been fascinating is the development, both as people, like we're all better people. I mean, literally we're all better Mm -hmm. people. I've worked harder. I've made better friendships than I could have ever asked for. I mean, I've, we've had like deep conversation like life changing stuff, conversation wise, but that's because we had the ability to have that. And then even just mm-hmm. community wise, as Dale said, there's also, there's, we call them the caretakers, but Matthew and, and uh, Erica and their dog, Trevor, they literally are so happy to see all these trails that they get to walk mm. and they walk yeah. really early when most of us aren't there. And if they do hear us, they look for us, they move out of the way or they tell us to be careful because they're they get really worried concerned. about us. Yeah. <laughs> so it's turned into, you can actually use it as a, as a, a concept to say, look, we're going to improve the land and it, look, if we improve it for this amount of time, then so be it. Like Dale said, and the, the movement won't go away. It'll just, I'm going to make a, on our show, we have a little reference of a Star Trek versus Star Wars thing. Dale never has any idea what I'm talking about, but we're like good Borg in the sense that we'll just go somewhere else, assimilate whatever it is and make whatever we need and then move on. That's just how we roll. <laughs> There's my nerd reference for the day. Yeah. Star Trek, right? Yeah, there you go. See, you're still in. Okay. Dale would have had no idea. I, I just, I'm out. I just knew it wasn't Star Wars. So yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's process that's right. of elimination, but yeah, it. that's, that's, you a can really win surprises point. that way. yeah i mean you guys yeah are just reinforcing that it is all about community and it's about you know a group of folks who enjoy riding together and hanging out and lots of good stuff comes with that um you know whether it be like physical trails or just you know putting on races or doing all the things that clubs tend to do um but yeah really putting community at the center of it which is awesome so dale what are some of the ways that uh, you and the other folks have found to make uh, riding flat terrain more fun to ride? Because typically, you know, flat stuff, that's not the first thing mountain bikers think about when they think about fun trails. But you guys have made made some pretty fun trails there. So so how do you do it? Yeah, so they strategically um, found the land that has the most elevation in Mobile County or in the city oh, wow. limits, I guess. So it mm-hmm. does have a lot of, for us, elevation. And I always make the joke like, yeah, we have no mountains. Well, nobody wants to ride up mountains anyways. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's painful. So yeah. what we have is actually, um, I've ridden 30 miles out there. It's a hundred wow. feet per mile of climbing. So if you ride continuously a hundred feet per mile of climbing, so we do have some, um, we have a three quarter mile long downhill line. That's pretty fun. We've had to add, we had to be creative. So I, I designed a trail that's so tight that when Drew was walking it, when I, when I was cutting it, he was like, nobody's riding this dude. We can't even fit, but that's, what's fun about it. You know, like you almost have to track stand to get through the little, uh, tiny pine trees. And then all of a sudden it opens up and you're doing 25 mile an hour and you're flying down the trail. So yeah, it's, there's different things you can do to add um, techie features, I guess, without adding techie features. Like we don't have rocks, so there's no rock features. There's no, I mean, 
to buy we'd have to buy rocks to put them there so yeah and if i buy rocks to put on the land and i don't buy rocks to put on my wife's hand like <laughs> i might be homeless i might be living at the reb like <laughs> for yeah. real living at the reb but um so we have done that we've also uh worked with different methods of um dirt so like jakey poo has used quickcrete and mixed it with the sand to, tr- mm. to try to form different jumps that last and his jump looks like he built it day one and it looks like dirt. Like you can't tell it's concrete. So we've been doing that. And the great thing is, and and back to the community aspect, we're doing this stuff there that we can try on us. We're the, we're the crash test Mm. dummies, but we can take this stuff to our local trails that are created with the same and the same type of dirt in the same way. So Mm -hmm. that way we can, we can try to get the masses excited about like, Hey, check out this little roller that they built out of quick Creek and for Mm -hmm. what five bucks for a bag of quick Creek. So it's pretty cool. And, and actually, um, Alan Weatherford, that is a president of the Imbo organization, he has come out and seen what we're doing. So he knows about the rebellion. It's, that's what we've <laughs> let Darth Vader on our ship to go back to. <laughs> we've let him in. Um, yeah. but he, he sees that he sees the energy and he wants to capitalize on it. And so he takes that energy to the council meetings and things like that, that I don't want to go to, mm-hmm. um, that none of us in the, not none of us, but a lot of us don't want to go to those meetings. Um, Alan is doing that. So this isn't, this is for us. Yeah, we'll be selfish. And I, I'm sure Drew would agree. I'll selfishly say that the rebellion is for me. I go there to build what I want to build when I, where I want to build it. And I want what, what I want to ride, mm-hmm. but it's also not just for me. It's for my kids and their future and how they're going to get to ride local trails. So they don't have to drive three hours to ride awesome stuff. And yeah. so hopefully what we're doing at the rebellion, just it is contagious across the County and, and maybe it gets in front of the right people and the right council members and, and they get to see it. But for now, we'll just keep enjoying the hell out of it and riding with our buddies and, and throwing up WWF championship belts. Just have to throw that out. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. won. Well, He's bragging. I'm bragging. I won. <laughs> you won the, you won the for Enduro. Yeah, I did. Congrats. Uh, awesome. Yeah. So it comes with a belt. You have to wear a WWE. We, we had a custom belt made that has all the, the friend, uh, all the local logos on it. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I thought the rule was going to be, you had to wear it every time he rode, but I oh, think man. we all agreed that would be <laughs> disgustingly stinky. Yeah. And I couldn't sit down with it on after the race. I traveled. <laughs> that was my point. I was wearing it. I can't sit down. It's, it's, yeah. it's big. Well, you got to wear it in the next race so that that way you're like at a slight disadvantage and like somebody else can possibly take the title away from you. Yeah. That's the that's handicap. Right. And don't think I'm not showing up with a uh, big WDF entry music. Like I might even buy big speakers on the car. It's just going to show up with my ring girls <laughs> and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Drew. So, um, I know there's like a bunch of different trail builders working in the area and it sounds like you guys all have like slightly different styles and you're building the trails that you enjoy and you kind of take ownership of that. Tell me more about that. Like how you come up with names and you guys even have like logos for the trails and like backstories and all of that. seems like a really creative thing. How, how did you come up with the idea or, or start to do that? Yeah. So we started when, so Dale is a fantastic designer. So one of the things we have uh, advantage of is we have somebody that, that does graphic design um, that's a writer. And so he kind of gets, sort of that riding mentality, right? He mm-hmm. gets that brain. So when we started doing trails, we started laughing. A lot of them were inside jokes. I mean, they mm-hmm. were literally parking lot inside jokes. Uh, one of them's tuna sub. I mean, it's just stuff that doesn't make any sense to anybody else but us. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as we went through, we started just, what we found was is that every, every r- trail builder, I mean, we have a lot of guys that work w- with each other that help but like principal trail builders all have a kind of style. Like I have a little more flow. Dale has a little more tech, a lot of turny stuff. Jake mm-hmm. has a lot of, Jakey Poo has a lot of straight downhill vibes. And so what's happened is over time, we've just, we've built those and found the trail to have meaning. And we try and, we try and put meaning behind the story. And instead of doing videos about here's another rider video, or here's mm-hmm. another component video. Instead we do, we call them trail tales. And so for us, we tell a little story about this trail, like whoever mm-hmm. built it, who came up with it. The entry, we have kind of a featured entry. It's, it's taken a lot of abuse, but like just to sum it up, to kind of set it up, we have this thing called the bug rug, mm-hmm. which is 
a, a rider we have, his, his nickname is Bug. We don't even know where it came from. We refuse to ask. We just let it be. But Bug has his Bug rug, and it's like the first jump on the way in. Got a beeline to it that's fun as all get out too. Mm-hmm. But we have that line. And so then there's a sign there that so shows it to you. And then one day they were cutting a trail, listening to run DMC. So next thing you know, there's a run DMC sign and somebody, <laughs> I guess it was one of Dale's kids had a gold dollar sign necklace and now hangs from it. So it feels like nice. a run DMC reference, which we all love. And then that spawned it's tricky. And then my kids cut the longest trail with me. I don't know what I was thinking, but I took my children on, <laughs> on one of the longest downhill trails we have and, uh, or one of my flower trails. And, they, I was like, what do you guys want to call it? And they're like, Birdie, which is my dog's name. So now all of a sudden, there's just like a picture wow. of a dog's head in the middle of the woods. But they all have meaning. They all have history. And when you really start talking to somebody about them, you you get a story. So it's like yeah. everything there is so purposely built. It's not just a it, – it's weird because there were some lines that we had initially that were just kind of like – we call them goat trails or whatever. Like we got to mm-hmm. dig our way out. But we reused those recently on that Frenduro event. So lines mm-hmm. that we didn't think were worth a damn anymore, sorry, sorry for cussing, were suddenly um, worth everything. Like they, they changed it. So guys mm-hmm. and gals that came out there and rode were like, whoa, what is this? I didn't expect that turn and because those lines. So we use every piece of, of opportunity we have and, and therefore those all get a story just like I, I shared there. They all have like some level of history to them right now. In 20 years, if the Rev is still around, if that location's still there, who knows what the stories will get made up. There's going to be these weird signs with like, I mean, there's one called Montucky. There's a whole series of trails named after a beer that I just happen to love that I can't get in the state of Alabama called Montucky. Shout out Montucky. <laughs> and so there's a whole trail system named for those. Um, it, it's just that it's, it's just about having fun and reinforcing the love that we have for each other and for the trails and for riding and for community. It's all just constant reinforcement of mm. fun. That, that's what we're after. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely get that vibe from the videos. And then, yeah, imagine being there in person and seeing those signs and the little trinkets and things. I mean, trail builders have been doing that for a long time, right? Like finding random objects, like when they're clearing a trail and like maybe that inspires the name of the trail or like you at least hang it in a tree as a piece of art really gives it a lot of personality. That's right. Dale, you mentioned um, trail building techniques and the things that you you guys are doing there it sounds like a lot of it is sort of learn as you go but do you have uh resources or folks that you lean on who are like maybe a little more experienced or like how do you how do you figure out how to build good trails and good trail features aside from just kind of guessing and checking so i actually i went to the sorba summit in tallahassee and i got to sit in on some um imba solutions steve from imba solutions i got to sit Mm -hmm. in with him and I learned some stuff from him. And I actually, I told Drew, I was like, you know, maybe our trails aren't great based on how we built them because we didn't know what we were doing. And yeah. to be honest, like we're not building them for super high traffic areas like Steve is, you know, I mean, right. so we don't have to worry so much about erosion and how, what's it going to be like in 10 years? Because we only care about today. You know, yeah. like we said the other day we were riding, we built a jump out of sand because that's what we have. We built a jump and everybody's like, well, let's just jump it. Who cares? It might not be here tomorrow. You know, like, so I'm from the (laughs) North and, and we snowboard in the North and it's kind of that whole aspect, like ride Mm. the snow while you can, because you never know what it's going to be like the next time you come out. And Drew always preaches this, like, Hey, go check the trail out before you just send it. Because every time you go out there, there could be something different that you're not used to, or somebody could have come out and built something that you didn't know was going to be built there. So Mm -hmm. the techniques and skill sets though, we have just developed, um, Drew and I, uh, Drew mostly, but we have, we build every trail with no power tools. Like we don't use anything. Wow. We use hatchets, ha- uh, machetes, axes, and that's in a rake basically. <laughs> so we've, we've learned that because our, our ground is so soft, you can go down a trail and there's those little tiny trees in the way or whatever. Mm-hmm. You could just hit around them, cut them at the stump, cut the stump off, hit around them and they come right out. And oh, wow. so we don't have to worry about the stump being in the ground. Um, we, we have a nice smooth trail. We leave the big pines and oaks and things like that. So mm-hmm. every, everything else we, we have built mostly all these eight miles, we have eight ish miles of trails without any power tools. So, which has been pretty awesome and, wow. and not because we don't want to, but because it's just more fun. It's cathartic. It's, it's nice mm-hmm. to just go out. Joe, we always just throw Joe Rogan on our headphones and go to town, you know, like <laughs> just start building and for, 
you never know how far you'll get in one day. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And again, yeah, it's like, it's like the trail building is not the point, right? The point is the community. And so, yeah, you're not necessarily in a rush, like, like you're a professional trail builder. Like we got to get this done so we can move on to the next project. It's like the experience is part of it. And I love that comparison to like building snow jumps too. Like never really thought about that, but yeah, I mean, if you're building a terrain park in a, a ski resort, like that's temporary, that thing's not going to exist. And not only that, you got to like maintain it and, you know, every day it's going to be a little different depending on conditions. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a really good perspective on trail building and, and what you guys are doing. Well, and we have, you know, because of where we're at, everybody watches YouTube videos and they watch all these other things of, you know, all these places doing awesome stuff with these great jumps and these great Mm -hmm. rock features and these great drops and things like that. And so our local Emba chapter gets bombarded with like, Hey, why don't we have features and where's the features at? And why can't we do this? And why can't Mm -hmm. we do that? And what we're learning more than anything is to like piggyback off of what Emba already does. Like it's hard. Like (laughs) it's not easy to build features. Like, you know, and our local trail systems don't have a lot of featureable areas you know it's not Mm -hmm. we just don't have that that type of riding here and it's unfortunate like we would love it and the sorba emba chapter samba they are trying to get it to be a destination like they want awesome Mm -hmm. trails like that Mm -hmm. but it's just a it's a really difficult area to build in and we're learning that and i try to translate it to people like hey we can't just go out there and build huge clay jumps like there's just no (laughs) clay to do it and right it's it's just it's awesome it's also a time thing as much as it is like a lot of times people just bring up cost. And and I think that there is a cost, there's always a cost, but it's not just money. Like we can't just throw mm-hmm. money at this. And I think that's the one thing that we've all walked away from the Reb from, from if we're looking at a trail org standpoint, it's a lot of time. It's a lot. And it's, and it's not just time spent um, building. There's time like maintaining and checking and keeping it. There's a lot of stuff that I don't think people, we've learned now that if we cut it and, and, and brush a trail with the soil type that we have, we're better off not riding it immediately. We can some, but you're mm-hmm. better off to let it dry out because mm-hmm. it's so moist underneath there. So if you let it dry out, suddenly it holds the dirt in better and it's like riding on carpet. It's insane. And it's fast oh, wow. and flowy and super fun. And there's no roots because we cut all those out, but like it, it, it doesn't erode as fast. So it's little things like that, that have taken time for us to develop. And it's the mm-hmm. same thing. And I think it's real trail builders understand, but you got knuckle turds like me and Dale out there and we're just <laughs> learning as we go. I mean, there's other legit, Jakey Poo's a legit, legit builder, but like Dale and I just figure it out. Like we, I scalped a bunch is what we called it, where we cut out all this, this moss and it's fast. It's the fastest ride you'll ever have, but it's dirt. So it's yeah. dusty and it's, there's other little problems that kick up from it. So. Yeah. Yeah. You, you bring up a good point about a lot of us as riders, like we don't know what we don't know about trail building and yeah, especially these groups like Imba and Sorba to us as an outside perspective, it's like, Oh, well it's a simple solution, but it rarely is. And there's a lot of knowledge that needs to be gained just to, just to figure out what the problems are in a lot of cases. And it sounds like you guys are, are figuring that out with your, with your project. So Drew, let's talk a little more about the role of video and podcasting uh, with Ride the Rebellion. Is that, was that something that was there from the beginning or was this like you guys started doing stuff and we're like, Hey, this is kind of cool. Like maybe other people would be into this. Is it, is that how it came about? Yeah, to a degree. I think, you know, obviously my, again, being a filmmaker career, that's what I do. Um, I think that existed. Um, mm-hmm. The podcast was always something I wanted to talk about. I enjoy podcasts, obviously. It's fun to be on the show. I listen to your show. So, I mean, it's it, this is super honor. But for <laughs> us, it became an issue of like, we started realizing that though we can't invite everybody out to the property, we want them to be part of the community. Mm, and so yeah. if, if a way to do that was to, to show videos and to show the podcast, somebody mentioned to me once that we were just humble bragging. I was like, that's not exactly, we didn't mean it to be that way. We yeah. literally wanted to be like, Hey, look what we did and you can do it too. That's the biggest takeaway is that if Dale and I, I mean, Jakey Poo's a, a freak exception, but if <laughs> Dale and I can get out here and pull this off, 
then there's no reason why anybody anywhere, uh, kids in Kansas, where it's as flat as it, it could possibly be, you can do it too. Like there's a way to do it. And so mm-hmm. the idea was, you know, this piece of land has inspired us to go and push a community in, in to push themselves to get as best the best versions of themselves possible. And so that's what mm-hmm. we chase. And so the content does that. So with the videos, like we said, we don't want to feature writers. I mean, we're all in it, but it's not about us. It's not about those things. It's not trying to pretend like we're our bikes are, as we say, we don't pretend that our bikes are pink and we live in Squamish. <laughs> the reality for us is we live where we live and we love what we love and we ride what we can ride on the daily. And then yeah. it makes us better riders when we go up to your neck of the woods. Like I'm a way better rider when I go up there. Now I send stuff and have way much more fun because I'm used to it. So mm-hmm. the goal was to like, say, here's the trail tales. Here's a story of a trail. Focus on the trail. Look at some, mm-hmm. what someone made and appreciate the trail. No one appreciate the bike on it or the, the newest, uh, you know, gizmo or whatever it might be. Focus on mm-hmm. the trail and appreciate someone's hard work. And then the podcast is just a celebration of all the people that we come across. Like we interview we don't care who we interview. We want to interview everybody. Like we want to have conversations with anybody and anything. And the podcast becomes this interesting dynamic where you have Dale, who's very much a real athlete. And then you have me, who's mu- very much a fat lead. And so you have this combination of two different, it's a, that's our joke, but I mean, I'm a big nerd and I have my sort of vibe of things. And then Dale has his, but we have this combination of like playing off of each other that works really well because we represent, we're trying to be representative of as many voices as we can we will have carry on soon and we can't wait to have carry on. And that's another voice for us. And she has a whole different perspective because she's a coach. And so we have, so it's just constantly trying to add, she's an ICA coach. We're trying to constantly add voices to it. Like you, we're trying to constantly mix it up and make it different and still be fun and, and just constantly remind everybody it's, it's always going to be about fun at the bottom line. That, that is, that's the currency we deal in is fun and time. Everybody deals in time, but we get to deal in a little bit more fun. So yeah, that's kind of where it comes from. To add, just in case anybody was mistaken, we are the only zero drop podcast on the planet (laughs) or universe. Like that's always been our thing. Like we don't discriminate against bikes, skill level, speed, where you ride, nothing. We are a zero drop podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I think, I think so many mountain bikers can identify with that. You know, I mean, myself included, I don't, I don't live in Squamish either and very few people do, right? That's like a small little area. Um, but mountain biking is much, much bigger than that. And there's a lot of diverse terrain and people and experience levels and all that stuff. And yeah, that's really awesome that you guys have found a way to connect with that and to share that with other people because I think what you're doing is is unique and it's inspiring and yeah, it, it definitely seems like something that should catch on to a lot of people. So Dale, where uh, else do you like to ride mountain bikes when you're not in Mobile? Have you had a chance to ride other places around the state or the country? Yeah. So I've gotten, I've signed myself up for dumbly signed myself up for long endurance races. So I've gotten a race um, <laughs> up there. I raced in Dahlonega. I did fool's gold um, oh, wow. up in North Georgia. I did that last year. Those trails, uh, bull and Jake mountain. Um, mm-hmm. That, th- that was awesome. I really liked that. I also did the skyway Epic here in uh, Alabama. I did that at the beginning of April um, mm-hmm. and it was a 67 mile uh, mountain bike race with 6,500 feet of climbing. So wow, that, that was fun. So I got to ride that, but mostly some of my favorite places to ride are coastal, you know, like I love going to Oak Mountain and Chulaqua and stuff, but I'm learning, like, I love UWF and Pensacola. It's a, it's an awesome trail system and it's really yeah. fun and challenging. And maybe it's because I'm conditioned to the sand. Most people complain about the <laughs> sand, but I love yeah. it. And then, um, Bogue Chitto in, in Louisiana is starting to rise on my list. Maybe it's the environment or the atmosphere that's thrown down over there, but it's really, really fun to ride and flow motion. Um, Toby or Preston York and Toby Cortez are the ones that put it together. And I, I love it over there. So I think I, I would get, I, I mean, I guess I just like ride my bike, man. <laughs> you put me on the, you put me on the sidewalk and I'd probably just like it. So I think I like, yeah. I mean, I haven't got to travel much out of Alabama. So I'm hoping I did ride in Ohio a little bit when I was back home. So there's some cool mm-hmm. trails up there as well. Yeah, I just see those sure. rocks, man. Whenever I see those rocks, my really nice shiny fork gets really scared. I don't want all those scratches on my bike. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't have to deal with the rocks. I'm out of here. Yeah, right on. 
What about you, Drew? Have, do you enjoy riding uh, other places outside of Mobile? Yeah, you know what's funny is I've ridden more outside of Alabama than I have in uh, in Mobile. So oh. I've ridden Wyoming. I've ridden Wyoming was partly road bike, which was I rode up to Devil's Tower and then just pedal as fast as I can possibly down, listening to like <laughs> the most death metal song I could possibly find. It was one of the favorite memories of my life. It was super fun. <laughs> But uh, so I've done th- that kind of stuff, and I did a little bit of t- uh, trail riding there, a little gravel, and then I I really love Chattanooga. Chattanooga is mm. uh, is my favorite place to ride um, yeah. that I've ridden so far, and, and I haven't been much to North Carolina though. It, my company even has an office there, and I just have never been. We just opened it, in fairness. But Chattanooga is my jam. In fact, I took the entire as an excuse. Uh, I told on my my sales team, or basically my entire crew, I said, "Look, if you guys hit a certain number this year, I'll take us all on the trip." And they're like, oh yeah, and they hit the number. They did it. Oh, nice. They did it early too. So we planned a trip where Chattanooga. Why? Because the boss <laughs> wants to go ride his mountain bike. <laughs> yeah. So it was an excuse for me to get back up there. But I I love Chattanooga area. I look forward to. Um, there's a bunch of stuff in and around Atlanta that looks like a lot of fun, which is your neck of the woods that mm-hmm. I've. So now I'm trying to find places where it's you know Dale and I both have kids where it's nice for like our wives and the kids can go do stuff if we're going to go ride for a few hours. And then when we're done, we can all get together and go do something family friendly fun, um, mm-hmm. usually with beverages involved, but like we can find something fun to go do. So that, that, that's kind of the majority of it. But, but in all honesty, if you told me pick one trail, you can ride it for the rest of your life or one, one trail network. I, I'm a big fan of five points, five points mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in Georgia there. Yeah. I just, I really like that trail system a lot. I feel like it has everything. So yeah. Yeah. Do you take that like as inspiration for the stuff that you try and do? I mean, obviously 100%. you can't do all the same things, but yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like that's the best part about riding all over. I love Bochito too. Bochito is super unique. And so when we were getting ready to, to think about the Reb, uh, I somehow talked my wife and let me go like every two weekends because she's off every other weekend. We were gone. We would go ride. We would go ride somewhere and it would just be like, I'd make, I literally had a little notepad I carried in my fanny pack back when I was a fanny pack rider. And, uh, I, I kept getting stuck under the wheel because I'm a terrible rider. Anyway, so I, I would make notes and it would be like this idea, this idea, something that feels, I try and write down things of how something felt, hmm. uh, not just how it rode, but how it felt like this. Yeah. I got this emotion from this or this anxiety. I want to, I want to hmm. recreate it. So it became like a, Again, I'm a director, so I approach things that way. But it became like that kind of thing. Like, how do I attach an emotion to this very moment and go from yeah. there? Yeah, interesting. That's a really yeah deep way to to think about trail building is to yeah f- start with the emotion and then figure out how you can recreate it with perhaps different materials or terrain or whatever. We always say this is that we are literally drug addicts and our drug is the trail, right? There's mm-hmm. no feeling that you get. You can't replicate that first ride feeling. Mm. So we're constantly chasing that first ride on any trail that you've ever gone on. And if you mountain bike, you, you get this, like, you yeah. know, that first ride, like that first trail time you ride, it's like, Oh my gosh, this trail is so awesome. I can't wait to ride <laughs> it again. The second yeah. time you ride it, it just doesn't hit as hard, right? Mm. Like it. So we're yeah. trying to, we're trying to, keep that excitement every time we ride. And at the rebellion, we are literally doing that. Like mm-hmm. every, I at now at this point, I feel that when I go ride each trail, but I enjoy bringing people out there that have never ridden mm-hmm. and showing them because I get the enjoyment out of their excitement. And yeah. so like, it's that new trail feeling that they're experiencing, but I'm experiencing it with them, even though it's my 50th time on it. So <laughs> yeah. like that smile when they get done and they're out of breath going downhill and they're just like, their knuckles are still white and I'm laughing because it's the first time they've ridden a downhill trail in their life, you know? So it, that feeling is what we chase. And I think it's like a, we're heroin junkies to the trail, I guess, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. And now you got me wondering if, if all mountain bikers are that way, I don't think that they are, but yeah. And you also bring up a good point about how riding a trail that maybe you are familiar with, but you're riding it with someone who mm-hmm. it is their first time, yeah, you do kind of get that same feeling. And again, comes back to that idea of community of like wanting to include others and and who you ride with changes the ride as well, like every time. So mm-hmm. yeah, really cool perspective. So all right, final question for both of you. And I'll start with you, Drew. What what have you learned along the way that could be helpful to other 
mountain bikers like in a similar situation they they're somewhere where there aren't a lot of trails or where they want to build community like what's what's kind of your biggest learning so far you've got a yeah i think the biggest takeaway for me has always been and it's happened to me i've made mistakes even during the you know the rev is as a property's 9 months old um, mm-hmm. we were just talking about that. We've done so much in nine months, but I've made mistakes. I, I was mouthy. I was a little cocky at times. I made some, some maybe mm-hmm. bad decisions, not rude to anyone, but I, I probably stirred a pot. I shouldn't have stirred a couple of times if I'm being <laughs> candid. So it's really being humble to exactly mm-hmm. what we talked about is you've got to humble yourself to the trail. You've got to humble yourself to the community and realize mm-hmm. that it's not just that there's different voices. I'm always been good with that. But you got to realize that like everybody interprets that first ride different. And so mm-hmm. that first encounter with you is that first ride and it's doing mm-hmm. that. So it's one is that the other piece I would say is like something I wish we would have learned early on, which is build yourself some perimeter trails. My God, man, don't go <laughs> in the middle of the mountain and just because then you're just you're miserable getting there every time. If you build a perimeter trail, which we finally did. Um, that perimeter trail goes a very long way to making it a lot more fun. And it's a lot of work because it's boring. I'm talking about a very boring trail. It just needs yeah. to be that access trail, but do that first. And then the third piece is finding land. Look, it's got to be as easy as not being afraid to ask or or find somebody in your group that's like me that doesn't, I'm used to asking. I mean, again, I'm a salesperson. I'm used to asking for permission to film on property when I did movies for a living. Like you mm-hmm. just have to find somebody that that doesn't mind stepping out of the comfort zone or it doesn't bother them to to mm-hmm. go ask those kind of questions. Um, yeah. make sure they don't necessarily look like, uh, look like, you know, crazy, but like enough me, to get you in the door. Like and <laughs> there you go. I wasn't going to say it, but I did. And, and so it's one of those things of those three steps. Like build that, like make sure you, you engage everyone, treat every encounter like a first ride, build an access trail, and then find somebody who's not afraid to go ask the question. That's what I would say. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Those are great tips. What about you, Dale? What's, what's your biggest takeaways? Well, I, so because I'm involved and in, I'm on the board still of the local Emba chapter, I'm going to relate it to the community like we've been talking about the whole time. But what in our podcast, we discussed this as well. So we'll just double it up. What I figured out is that to get work done, you have to develop the community, right? Mm-hmm. Like once they become friends and once like you have a connection more than just, hey, I went and rode that trail today. Once mm-hmm. your friends are involved. Now you don't want to let them down, right? So, right. so everything I do at the rebellion, I don't do it for me. I do it for them. You know, mm-hmm. like I do it selfishly for me and them. Okay. So now that now you can translate that to if you, if you think about it like this, like we need those friendships to get trail work done. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need the money. We don't need the other stuff. You need the friendships to get it done because it's all volunteer stuff. Nobody's getting yeah. paid for any of it. So to get volunteer stuff done, you have to have some reason why they need to be there, right? And mm-hmm. to give them a reason other than so you have nice trails close to home, um, that don't let your friends down is one. Um, so that's that's one thing I've learned. And the other thing is like just be patient. Be patient with people, be patient with things, be patient with time, all around, just be patient. Uh, things don't happen overnight and in those trails, those big trails that some uh, YouTube personality gets built in a, a year. Just they don't happen that quick. Like things, <laughs> things don't happen quick. And and we've yeah. been told numerous times, like, oh, you guys are riding tra- trails that are twenty five years old. My buddy built those. Like, why do you want to change them now? And it's like, well, we're different. We're on different bikes. Like, it's just you have to, but you have to understand where they're coming from too. You know, like it was mm-hmm. their passion at one time. So they're passionate about it just like we're passionate about it and right. and we we want the same things everybody else does we just have mm-hmm. we have gotten to the point where we get we were impatient to now we're we're trying to we're trying to push our agenda quicker and mm-hmm. i guess it it's, it works across the board and everyone benefits in some way um, yeah. so i think there's so but there's so much to be learned and I'm learning every day. I learn from Drew a lot um, because I'm, there's things I don't know. And then there's there's also things that I don't want to learn that Drew knows, you know. So <laughs> it, there's things that you just have to understand your role, I guess. And, and yeah. that's part of it, too. It's just an organization. I mean, we're all 40-year-old dudes on bicycles with shovels. That's what it all boils down to. And I always <laughs> right. say that, like, like, we're just trying to extend our childhood as long as we possibly can. And that's mm-hmm. literally all it is. And if it's with a shovel in the woods, it's cool. Yeah. Well, 
what you guys are doing is is obviously really different and unique and and it seems to be working well um and it's really cool to see and to follow along in in your journey and that's awesome too that you guys have a podcast and you have this youtube channel uh, so we can all see how this experiment turns out but yeah it definitely seems like one that others can gain from so thank you both uh, for taking the time to chat and telling us more about this. Um, yeah, we're definitely going to be keeping up with the project and, and seeing how it goes. Hey, we really appreciate it, Jeff. And, and we're happy to, to oblige your invitations anytime you want us to. We like to talk, as you can tell. And yeah. also, you're always welcome to come down and ride. First yeah. ride's free. First awesome. ride is free. Always. <laughs> Yeah, you guys really do sound like you know drug pushers, or you got some kind of addiction. <laughs> trying to hey, we're, we're trying to fu- we're trying to fund these these trails here, man. It's uh, yeah, we got merch now to help fund the trails. Whatever we got to do, we're going to figure it out. Nice, yeah. awesome, yeah, such a cool cool model. Well, you can uh, find Ride the Rebellion on YouTube and also their podcast on Spotify, and we'll have links to both of those in the show notes. That's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye.